G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. There hung the Lord of glory on the cross. They all saw it. They all heard the same thing. Now the choice was before them. Look and live or look and leave. Those who witnessed Jesus' crucifixion also heard his seven statements from the cross. Pastor Greg Laurie says the responses varied. See, two people can look at the same thing and react in two completely different ways. One will hear these words and believe, and the other will hear these same words and not believe. And really, the choice is up to you. This is the day when the lost are found. As you walk through the supermarket, why are there 20 flavours of salad dressing and 50 types of soup? Well, it's because people are opinionated and the opinions vary. The trouble is they often have that same attitude towards faith. If their religion of choice doesn't taste good, well, they'll try the next flavour. On A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. He's the only one who gave his life to pay for our sins. He's not a flavour. He's the saviour. We're looking at the story now of the death of Jesus. And we're going to see how He went to the cross willingly and died for our sin and completed what He began. In fact, from the cross, we will see in a few moments, He gave those words, it is finished. And I'll explain to you what those words meant then and what they mean to us now. But here is Jesus now hanging on the cross and He gives seven significant statements. Every one of them was important. Even the order of them is important. And the order is statement number one, He says, Father forgive them for they know not what they do. Statement number two is a response to the thief that was crucified next to Him who said, Lord remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Statement number three, to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then looking to the apostle John standing next to her, he said, son, behold your mother. Statement number four, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Number five, he says, I thirst. So now we come to one of the most significant statements of the cross. It is when Jesus says it is finished. That's statement number six. It is finished. It comes from a single word in the Greek, tetelestai. It is finished. This is translated a lot of ways. One translation is, it is paid. Another translation, it's performed. Even another, it's accomplished. All of those translations give a sense of what the word actually means. So what was paid? the price of our redemption. What was performed? The righteous requirements of the law. What was finished? Well, for starters, finished were the horrendous sufferings of Christ. Never again would he experience 
pain at the hands of Satan. Never again would he bear the sins of the world. Never again would he even for a moment be separated from the Father in fellowship. But listen to this. Finished also was Satan's stronghold on humanity. That means that no Christian has to be under the power of sin any longer. Also finished was our salvation. Our salvation is paid for. It's completed. All of our sins were transferred to Jesus when He hung on the cross and all of His righteousness was transferred to our account. There's nothing I need to do to add to the work He's done for me. There, there's no work you need to add on. It's done. Now in light of that, live that out. It is finished. So now the, the storm has passed. The devil's done his worst. The Lord has put the sin of the world on him. And now the final statement of Jesus from Calvary. And by the way, this shows he was in control. Once he had completed the work he would now do. He said, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now some amazing phenomena takes place. Let's look at Matthew 27 verse 51. Behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and they were coming out of the graves after His resurrection and they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Then when the centurion and those who were with them who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that happened, they feared greatly saying, Truly this was the Son of God. So a number of significant things happen as Jesus is dying. First of all, the veil in the temple was torn. Now under the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, only specifically chosen men like Abraham and Moses had regular access to God's presence. But then the Lord established the tabernacle and later the temple. And this was the place where the high priest would come in and represent the people and they would take an animal and symbolically place the sins of the people on that animal. And that inner sanctum where the priest would go was called the Holy of Holies. And no one was allowed in there but the high priest and that once a year. But now separating that Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple was a thick veil. Not sheer material but thick interwoven material. Almost like a wall made out of material. No man or woman could tear it apart. But yet at the death of Jesus the veil is ripped. Not from bottom to top. As though man were doing it. But from top to bottom because God was doing it. The Lord was saying this veil is gone now. Everybody has access to my presence. You can come. In fact now the dwelling place of God is with man. Now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and Christ lives inside of you and now you can approach the Father anytime. And why is it that I can approach the Father? Because I'm worthy? No, I'm approaching the Father because of the Son. I believe that Billy Graham is the greatest evangelist who has ever lived. And after I became a Christian I went down to San Diego and saw him preach in person and he was always a hero of mine. So I was delighted in the mid-80s when I was able to meet Billy personally. It was a, a brief meeting. I shook his hand and oh I was so nervous. You know. It was like meeting Moses. Right. It's just <laughs> Billy Graham. And I got my you know photo with him of course. That's before we had selfies by the way. We actually had devices called cameras. 
and our film had to be developed. We had to wait for it and then we'd get the picture and hope it turned out okay. So that was great. I could technically say yes I met Billy Graham but my entire meeting with him lasted maybe two to three minutes. But as the years passed I became friends with his son Franklin. And uh, you know the only person that's a worse prankster than I am is Franklin. And so he's always up to something. And so one day he said, hey, you want to go fly with me and we'll, we'll fly over daddy's house, as he said, you know, Billy's house. And I said, okay. So I got into this plane, not realizing he was going to take me for Mr. Toad's wild flight. <laughs> you know, Mr. Toad's wild ride at Disneyland. So I got in and we take off. It's one of these little Piper Cub type planes. And and immediately we, we go into a sharp ascent, really high, 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 going straight up. And then he just drops it. And we're coming down so hard. And we kind of veer to the right. And we come over this little spot of land. And there on the front lawn are Billy and Ruth Graham looking up at us. <laughs> and we were close enough to see their faces. You get the idea? And I thought to myself, I would give anything to be on the ground with them right now instead of in this cockpit with this insane man. <laughs> Franklin loved every moment of it. Well we finally did land and we actually went over to the home and spent some time there. And over the years I had the privilege of sharing a lot of meals with Billy and being with him privately as he was bringing his ministry to an end. He even asked me to help him with some of his sermon preparation and it was one of the greatest privileges of my life. And uh, I was so honored to have that opportunity. The reason I was able to get access into the inner sanctum, if you will, of the Father was through the Son. And the same way we access the Father is through the Son. And now listen to this. Because of what God has done, because of what He has accomplished, we're in this new relationship with Him. Thanks for joining us today on A New Beginning. You're listening to Pastor Greg Laurie, the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, as we work our way through the top 10 messages of the last year, as requested by listeners. And he's continuing a study today called It Is Finished. Let's continue. Now I want you to look at these two classic reactions to this series of miraculous events. Go back to Matthew 27, verse 54. So when the centurion and those who were with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. That's a big deal for a centurion to say that. See, a centurion uh, was a man who was in a position of leadership. There were over a group of 300 to 600 men. They were intelligent. They were kind of the cream of the crop that were selected for the purpose of being a commanding officer. A centurion like this had probably presided over hundreds, perhaps, even thousands of crucifixions. He had seen it all. He had heard it all. But there was something about Jesus that set him apart from all other people he had ever crucified. He saw how he prayed for the forgiveness of those who had done this, how he cared for his mother, how he bore this sin with such courage. And it looks as though he believed right there on the spot. In fact, Luke 23 gives us a little detail. When the captain of the Roman guard that handled executions saw what had happened, he praised God and said, surely this man was innocent. So he did more than just say he was a son of God. He praised God. 
Contrast this to the reaction of others who were present at the cross. We have to go to Luke's Gospel for that. And in Luke 23, 48 we read, And when the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw all that happened, they went home in deep sorrow. See, they like the centurion and the thief saw the supernatural phenomena. They saw Jesus cry to the Father. They saw Jesus ask for the forgiveness of those who had done this. They experienced the massive earthquake. They saw the whole planet go dark for three hours. And they went home in deep sorrow. There's no evidence of repentance of their sin like with the centurion. There hung the Lord of glory on the cross. They all saw it. They all heard the same thing. Now the choice was before them. Look and live or look and leave. In fact, over in Isaiah 45, 22, God says, Look to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Look to me and be saved. Some looked and lived. The centurion, the thief. Others looked and left. Wow, that's too bad, isn't it? And we have effectively have the same choice set before us right now. Because there is Jesus who died on the cross for our sin. And what are we going to do with that? Are we going to look and live or are we going to look and leave? Oh, that's an interesting story. Greg, thank you for reminding me of that. Are we going to say, wow, Jesus did that for me. He suffered and died for me. He can forgive me of every sin I have ever committed. See, two people can look at the same thing and react in two completely different ways. One will hear these words and believe and the other will hear these same words and not believe. And really the choice is up to you. Years ago I was in Israel. We were leading a tour and our guide and I were talking and, and he was a very intelligent man and he knew the Bible but he didn't know the God of the Bible. And so he would often pull me into debate. He loved to bait me and, and then we would sort of go over points and he would challenge me and, and on and we had endless conversations, this guy and I. His name was David. So one time we're cruising along from one place to another and we're in one of our little discussions. I'm talking to him and, and you know, David never did believe in all of our discussions that I know of. But an interesting thing happened. At the end of that day, the bus driver who was right next to us and I never even thought about said to me, I was listening to what you were saying to David. I said, yes. He said, I'm very impressed with that and you make me jealous because I want a relationship with God like you have. Now this is interesting because the Bible says that we who are Christians, that we come into the family of God, it makes the Jewish people, the promised people, jealous of the faith that we have. It provokes them to jealousy. Here was an actual demonstration of that happening. I'm jealous of your relationship with God. I said, oh well, listen, you can have one too. He said, I would like you to come to our home and we want to feed you and I want you to address my entire family. I said, okay. <laughs> hey, you ask an evangelist that. He's coming, okay. So I drove to his home. He had a beautiful family and a very big family. A number of them were in the military and they were in uniform even. And uh, so they fed us and I, you know, the, it was a great multi-course meal and I filled up on like the, probably the second course, not realizing there were five more courses to come. <laughs> wow, I was so full. But afterwards he said, please address my family. And I stood up in this man's front room and I proclaimed the gospel. So that was a great honor. But here's my point. One man who I talked with endlessly listened and never believed. And this other man that eavesdropped on our conversation believed. Okay, so you never know who's going to believe. So you're hearing this message right now and 
I'm asking you, where are you at? Are you sure that you're a child of God? Are you certain that your sin is forgiven? Do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Christ is living in you? Or is there doubt? You're not sure. I'm going to extend an invitation for any of you to reach out to Jesus Christ and invite Him into your life to be your Savior and Lord. If you've never done this, do it today. And maybe some of you have fallen away from the Lord. You've made up a bunch of excuses for your lifestyle or your vices or your sins. And it's time for you to make a recommitment to Christ. So whoever you are and whatever you need to do, respond now. Let's all pray. Father, thank you for your word to us. And I pray now that your Holy Spirit will reach out to those who do not yet believe and open their spiritual eyes and help them to turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. Help them to believe now, we would ask. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer. You know, God does want you to know Him. And if you'd like to respond today and know the Lord personally, Pastor Greg would like to help you with that right now. You know, I, I receive so many letters, Dave, from people from every walk of life, from successful businessmen to those who are incarcerated, to mothers struggling as they're trying to raise their children, to young boys and girls writing and saying they've made a commitment or a recommitment to Jesus. And maybe you need to make that commitment to him right now. Let me lead you in a word of prayer. Yes, you can meet God right now. And I would just ask you to pray this prayer out loud after me. And this is where you are asking Christ to come into your life. Pray with me now, if you would. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've broken your commandments and I've fallen short of your standards. But I thank you that you have loved me and you have called me to yourself. So I turn from my sin right now and I choose to believe in and follow you. Be my Savior, be my Lord, and be my God from this moment forward. Thank you for calling me and loving me and accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks, Pastor Greg. And if you prayed those words and you meant them sincerely, know that the Lord has heard you and forgiven you of your sin. We'd love to welcome you into the family of God. We'd love to send you some follow-up materials to help you to begin a new life of faith. Just ask for the New Believers Growth Packet when you call 1-800-00-5011. Well, tomorrow we'll see what we can learn from the triumphant resurrection of Christ. Hope you can join us for more of our Best Of series here on A New Beginning. And on behalf of all the team, we wish you a very happy new year. Now, for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called It Is Finished. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.